Welcome to Brit David Podcast as we continue our Sunday night Bible series with a message entitled The Call of Duty from Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verses 13 through 14. If you've ever been asked to volunteer for a project or if you've ever been hired for a new position, the first question you probably had was, what am I supposed to do? Many people have this same question about life. What am I supposed to do? Those without a relationship with God will often seek the answer to that question from a variety of sources. Like the old song says, they go looking for love in all the wrong places and nothing will satisfy their souls. If that's you, don't beat yourself up. Even the wisest man in all the world struggled with the same issue. Turn to God and you'll discover your call to duty. Here's Pastor Tim. Paul provided for young Timothy a number of examples and pictures of what the Christian life looks like. One of those is that of the quintessential soldier. After telling Timothy that he would have to endure hardship, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, he told Timothy, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. This Christian soldier, like our Christian life, is a person who is strong, who is faithful, who is embattled, a person who is honorable, a person who is motivated, and a person who seeks to please his commander above everyone else. As we come to our passage tonight in the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm reminded of that very same picture when I come to the close of this book. In those final two verses of the book, we begin to read things that remind me that we are indeed soldiers in this battle of life. And as soldiers, we are under a call of duty, so to speak. It's that call of duty that we hear ringing in these particular verses. If you're already there in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, look with me for a moment to the end of verse number 13. It says, this is the whole duty of man. This is our call to duty. This is our duty before the Lord. And these words, as they come to the, you know, these last two verses in the whole book, it's taken the whole book to get to these two verses. Everything else from verse number one in chapter one has led us all the way to these final two verses where Solomon can finally say, this is the call of duty that we serve under as good soldiers of God. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by a man who understood soldiering. His name was Solomon. He is identified in the very first verse of this particular book. There he's called the son of David, and he is called the king in Jerusalem. It is without a doubt Solomon who writes this. Solomon is the wisest, richest, most influential king in all of the history of the nation of Israel. And when we come to this particular passage, 
Solomon has shared his wisdom freely. It seems like at the beginning of his life, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon and taught us what it was like to have the love of your life, the one that God has selected for you. Solomon doesn't listen an awful lot to his own, to his own writings at that point and finds himself derivating from that particular book. But in the middle of his life, with all of the wisdom that God had granted to him, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs, primarily at Solomon. He even writes some in the book of Psalms. But it's at the end of his life, in the twilight of his reign, that he writes the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes is a book that is written by him for a very specific reason. Now he identifies himself in that first first verse as the preacher. You'll continue to see him referred to as the preacher throughout that book and especially throughout that very first chapter. It's that name, the preacher, that is the name of your book. The word Ecclesiastes comes from the word that simply means the preacher or the one who speaks before an assembly. You can probably hear a Greek word that you're familiar with, ekklesia, in the word Ecclesiastes. And you know that means to gather together, to the gathered assembly. That's us as a church. And so what we find is Solomon gathering people together to share with them what he has discovered in this lifelong quest to try to find meaning, to try to find meaning somewhere in his life. In order to do that, there's a couple of things I'll mention to you out of this verse. Number one is this. Solomon frantically searched for meaning. Solomon frantically searched for meaning. And if you're one who's looking for meaning or looking for purpose in life, you're not going to rest until you find something that you can put a hook in. You're you're going to be just as frantic as he is to try to find answers to some of those lifelong questions. And so he's gathered the assembly together to share with them what he has discovered uh, doing a reconnaissance mission, so to speak, through his own life, through his own personal history, to try to discover what really matters in life. Solomon writes this. He writes about searching through everything under the sun. So we would say this, as he frantically searches for meaning, number one, he turned over everything. He turned over everything. He didn't leave one stone unturned. And he's perfectly capable of doing that. By the way, there's no one else that could have written the book of Ecclesiastes like Solomon. There's no one that would have been as qualified as Solomon. The greatest mental, the greatest material, the greatest uh, physical, financial, and political resources are combined in him so that he has opportunity like nobody else. If anybody else had written this book, somebody would be able to go and say, yeah, but you didn't search this, this area of life. Yeah, but you don't understand my perspective of life. You didn't, you didn't do this. 
Solomon has the profound ability to uncover everything, to not leave one stone unturned. He has the world at his fingertips, and he's able to, he's able to try it all. And so as you make your way through Ecclesiastes, you find a number of things that Solomon tried to find meaning in, to find purpose in. For example, he tried to find meaning in power. In power. Maybe I'll just give you these uh, references and you can write these verses down. In chapter number 8 and verse number 4, Solomon learned where the word of a king is, there is power. Nothing quite like power, is there? The ability to be able to tell somebody to do something and they actually do it. The ability to be able to move uh, circumstances around. Power surely would bring happiness. If anybody can find happiness and find meaning in life, surely the one who wields the power has it. And Solomon says, no. He tried power. He tried to find meaning in prestige. In prestige and earning respect and having a good reputation. Solomon wrote this. He said, look, in chapter number 1 and verse 16, Look, I have attained greatness, and I have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. He had attained it. He gathered it. He gained it for himself. He tried to find meaning in power. He tried to find meaning in prestige. Number three, he tried to find meaning in popularity. In popularity, there's not anybody who didn't know who Solomon was, especially not in the nation of Israel, even outside the nation of Israel. You find his reputation preceding him everywhere that he goes. He has the prestige that others might want. He's got the popularity that others wish they had. He writes this. He says in chapter 4 and verse 16, there was no end of all the people over whom he was made king. There's not anybody anywhere that doesn't know his popularity. Number four, he tried to find meaning in pleasure. In pleasure. Like a modern-day hedonist, he tries anything that satisfies his flesh and anything that he wants to do with his own heart. In fact, the Bible says in chapter 2, verses 1 and verse 3, he says to his own heart, He says, therefore, enjoy pleasure. That's it. Just do that. Just enjoy pleasure. Enjoy the things that you enjoy. He says, I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh. And yet he's not going to find anything there either. Number five, he tried to find meaning in possessions. In possessions and materialism that rules the day. It rules the day today, it ruled the day then. And taking inventory of all of his stuff, everything that he had gathered together, he bragged in chapter 2 and verse 7, I had greater possessions than all who were in Jerusalem before me. He had it all. There's not anything that was withheld from Solomon. Number whatever we're on, number next. He tried to find meaning in prosperity. In prosperity. I mean, it it takes money to buy all those things, doesn't it? And he attained 
a lot of it in his life. Enough to impress the Queen of Sheba when she came to visit. Listen to what he says. He says this in chapter 2, verse 8. And then I will give you another verse in chapter 6 and verse 2. Solomon says, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings. Just put a little parentheses here for a moment. Do you remember when we were studying about the temple that Solomon's going to build when we were in uh, Second Chronicles? And it says that, that, that Solomon had this great big day, he had this great big offering, and he brought all of those. We, we measured it out in today's standards, and it was millions and billions of dollars that he gave. Where did he get? He's talking about this right here. I gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings. In chapter 6, verse 2, he says, A man to whom God has given riches and wealth and honor so that he lacks nothing for himself, of all his desires. He gathered it all, hadn't he? Number next, he tried to find meaning in philosophy. In philosophy. Sometimes that's religious philosophy. For example, he says in chapter 5 in verse number 1, walk prudently when you go to the house of God. But also in secular philosophy. He says, I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. He tried to find meaning in performance. In performance. He gloried in the great accomplishments that he had, that he had gathered and gained in his life through his own work, through his labor, through his toil. He continues to use those kinds of words. In chapter number 2 and verse 4 and in verse number 9, he says, I made my works great. I became great. And excelled more than all who were before me. His performance. His accomplishments. Then he says that he tried to find meaning in progenies. In progenies. You know, when, when work doesn't satisfy. When other things don't satisfy. You know like Solomon at this particular point. He's beginning to, to enter the end toward his own life. He begins to look toward the future. And begins to look not only at his own future and the future of the nation of Israel, but he also begins to look at the future through his children's eyes. And so he tries to find meaning in them. He tries to find meaning in a future. He writes this in chapter 6 and verse 3 and in verse number 12. If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, who can tell a man what will happen to him or happen after him under the sun? So what's going to happen? Well, he says, as I've looked at everything in the midst of life, I've turned over everything. There's not a, there's not a stone, there's not an area where I have not thought that you could find happiness and pleasure and meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment. And so I just set out to try it all. I'm looking at everything. You ever tried any of these yourself? You try to find happiness and meaning in your life? Maybe for us men in our work? For ladies and their children? In any number of ways, you may try the very same things that Solomon has tried. 
very likely it's going to end for you the very same way that it ends for Solomon. So how? He turned over everything, but it turned out empty. It turned out empty. You say, well, it turned out empty. Well, well which one? Which, which one of those turns out empty? It's all of them, isn't it? When, when he looks at everything under the sun, he declares it to be empty, futile, vain. When he talks about enjoying pleasure, he says this, but surely this also was vanity. When he talks about all the works that he had done with his hands, all the toil that he had accomplished, he turns right around in that very same verse and says, Indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. When he tried to find it in wisdom, he said, This also is vanity. You go through that entire list and everything that Solomon tried, and you'll find a bunch of verses that just sound just like this one. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. In fact, if you want to jot down a sort of a key verse, a summary verse for what Solomon discovered. It's in chapter number 1 and verse number 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. You remember the first time that you remember eating or biting into a chocolate Easter bunny? Maybe you thought it was like that Hershey Kiss that you'd eaten. It was going to be solid chocolate. Boy, you couldn't wait. You felt like you were in the Wonka Chocolate Factory, or like Dana calls it, heaven. You know, <laughs> And suddenly you bite into that thing and discover that it's just hollow. It's just empty. There's just a shell. There's a, there's a pretending to what it really is. When in reality there's... Vanity and futility that's on the inside. There are a number of people who come to that conclusion concerning life. They, they try, like Solomon, to find happiness and purpose and meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment in all sorts of areas. And every time they come up snake eyes, so to speak. It's all empty. I have to tell you. This is what makes me struggle when I get to the book of Ecclesiastes. Because I, I read it the very same way that you read it. I, you know, I, I read through the Bible and I see, I see what it says. I see what Solomon says. I see what, his, uh, I, I see what it means for him as king and for his people and all those things. But you turn those things on yourself, right? You want to know, what does, what does this passage mean for me? What is, how does it apply? affect and impact my life. So I begin to look. Where do I find happiness? Where do I, where do I look for meaning and purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment? I don't find any places that I look that Solomon didn't look. I don't come up with a lot of different answers than what Solomon came up with. If I then, listen to me carefully, because this is the point. This is the, this is the fork in the road. 
This will determine not only how you view the book of Ecclesiastes, but how you view your own life. If I follow that same train of thought, and I don't, I don't divert from that whatsoever, the focus is me. The focus is my purpose. The focus is my happiness, my satisfaction, my fulfillment. I'm always going to come to the same answers that Solomon has. And somewhere along the way, I'm going to end up asking myself the question, does any of this really matter? And if I'm on this secular path, I don't don't find a lot of reason to say that, that, that there is any. If all of my thoughts leave God out, if all of my thoughts are turned inward, I'm going to have a fatalistic view of life. We invite you to join us tomorrow as Pastor Tim brings us a conclusion of the message, The Call of Duty, right here on Britt David Podcast. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at brickdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brick David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brick David Podcast.